Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. I'd like to say that this is the uh, largest group that we have had yet on a podcast, so it should be interesting to kind of see how this uh, how this turns out with everybody wanting to to chime in. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and we'll get started. Um, I have had an opportunity to uh, to be exposed a little bit to this project through Eric Grill. Um, he's kind of explained a little bit of, of what's going on um, with your guys' capstone project. So I'm really excited to, to get into the weeds with you guys as far as like, what are you guys doing and, and how did you guys even come about to this? So why don't we just start off with, uh, with just a quick introduction of, of who you are um, and your major, and we'll kind of go from there. Sounds good. I can go first. My name is Hudson Pavia. I'm a senior here at Lehigh studying computer science and business. Uh, as far as the project goes, I was working with Joss pretty heavily on the back end, doing some of the smart contract development. And then I also did a lot of smart contract testing. Fantastic. Hey, everyone. I'm Joss Duff. I'm also a senior at Lehigh University, computer science business major. And yeah, I worked with Hudson on backend stuff. So smart contract development, hard hat environment, and also building up our graph. I'll go next. Uh, my name's Kenneth Cho. I'm a senior studying computer science and business at Lehigh. And I worked uh, with Justin a lot on the front end integration of the backend smart contract, being able to call all the contract functions on the front end, and also creating a customer facing application that kind of shows what all, all of our efforts led to. And uh, I'm Justin, I guess I'll save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I work, like Kenny said, I worked pretty heavily on the front end. That was mainly the uh, visual aspect of it, while Kenny was more of connecting it to the back end. But um, yeah. It's like the kicker on the football team, the UI UX guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to say. And Professor Hank. Right? Yes, I'm Hank Korth. <laughs> I'm a professor in the computer science and engineering department here at Lehigh. And um, I did not write a single line of code for this, much to my regret. I would have loved to have. But um, I'm spending my time organizing a number of blockchain activities here in Lehigh. We're one of the um, relatively few schools having a substantial number of blockchain courses substantial research activity, and a variety of outreach. You know, we have research in accelerating zero-knowledge proofs. I won't go into that here. Benchmarking blockchains and um, work on um, various ecosystems in terms of both business and consensus algorithms for central bank digital currencies. And we have this capstone project. We have a couple of others with other partners. Uh, so, um, Lots of exciting stuff going on here, and it's really great to be with you today. Awesome. Well, thanks, gentlemen. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely a pleasure to have you guys all here, and I'm, I'm really interested to get into this. So why don't we just kind of get started with uh, how did you guys get started into coding for the blockchain? Um, I'll go first. Uh, <clears throat> so I came into Lehigh as a CS major. always know I wanted to do that. But getting into blockchain crypto specifically happened uh, during my freshman year over COVID. Um, 
I was home by myself. One of my friends got a record player for some reason, and I had a box of old records in my basement. So I told him, hey, you can have these old records if you want. And he was like, sweet, yeah, I'll give you a Ethereum for the records. I didn't really know what Ethereum was at the time. I was going to give him the records for free anyway. So I was like, sure, whatever. And this was right before the start of the 2020 bull run. So I watched my Ethereum go from like $150 to like two grand. And at that point, I was kind of hooked. Um, and then course registration was coming up, had an extra slot, just like by pure chance was browsing the course catalog and saw a class with blockchain in the keyword. And I was like, sure, I'll take that. Why not? <clears throat> Took that. And then ever since that class, I've just been totally hooked. I've uh, taken all the other blockchain classes at Lehigh, trying to do some research, um, really want to get involved with this capstone project. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I got into it. That's awesome. That's actually probably one of the most interesting ways to get pulled in and involved in, in crypto that I've heard yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just ended up being pretty lucky. Unrelated to crypto, what what record was this? Oh, it's worth, it's, it's worth some it money. Was, yeah, no, it was, it was a whole like note carton of my parents' old records. <laughs> so some old, old stuff. He so don't even know what it was. No, <laughs> yeah, before my time. Well. At least you have what, like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars now for for that milk crate of records. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, if he held it, yeah, no, it, it turned into a pretty good investment. Uh, still holding. Okay. Anybody else want to share their uh, share their involvement of how they got into crypto? I can speak to to my story. It's kind of the opposite of Joss's story. Um, it was it was during COVID as well, uh, where you know he had a nice positive experience, nice profit on his first entry into crypto. I I had the opposite. I was more of a. I would say I was more gambling in the crypto space. You know, I had some <laughs> some free time during COVID during quarantine. I was like, you know, you know, this seems cool. I'll throw some money at a couple different projects, and I'd say eighty percent of them didn't go the way I was hoping, but I, I, I was really interested in the space after kind of not past speculation. I was, I was reading up on things and my dad actually was like, well, you know, this could be a really big thing um, in the technology space. I think it's worth, you know, if your school offers some courses, you should explore this. And I like to listen to my old man as much as possible. So I was like, all right, I saw the, that Lehigh was offering some courses and I actually took uh, Professor Korth here. I took my first course with him last spring and I was completely hooked like Joss. And I just started, you know, really putting a lot of effort into that course, trying to self-educate as much as possible. And when I saw Chainbytes was sponsoring a project for the Capstone uh, course here at Lehigh, I, that was my number one choice. I wanted to hop right aboard. Awesome. Yeah, I could also speak to this topic. So I'll say that I had a more similar of an experience with Hudson than I did with Joss. I also did a little bit of gambling here and there with with coins. <laughs> um, and it turned out all right. But right now it's a little, don't want to talk about that. But um, beyond just like the investment portion of it, I was interested in the idea behind all this. Like, why does it have value? Like, what's the point of it? And as I started to gain more interest in it and looking uh, and really, really reading more articles about it, learning more about it, um, I really wanted to explore 
more and try coding in the environment. So I decided to take on this blockchain project where I learned, I'd say like 80% of the knowledge of what goes on behind the scenes. And yeah, that really developed my interest for everything. Awesome. Yeah. I think there's, there's one part of, of crypto to interact with it, but there's a whole nother part of crypto when you are actually creating something or you're birthing something of your own. And I, I think that's, uh, that's probably what motivates all of you guys and makes you all unique or also similar to each other. There's also multiple epiphanies that you have. Like when you first start using it, it's, oh, it's cool. I can send money. And then you realize, wait, there's more going on behind this thing. There's, there's an immutable ledger, especially as a developer. And then you start going down that and you're like, wow, this, this. Yeah. So, hey, Justin, how about you? What, what got you started? Um, funny enough, I don't actually own any crypto. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to change that. Buy some right now. What, what I guess I got to buy some. But, um, yeah, I'm more interested in uh, blockchain as a, as a technology more than a cryptocurrency. I think a decentralized ledger like a blockchain can have a lot of uh, great uses in the future. And um, so when we uh, were selecting this project, I saw that, or when we were selecting projects for uh, Capstone, I saw that this um, this project involved blockchain, which, you know, it's emerging technology and I was interested in technology. Um, it was like actually doing something because some of these projects, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's true. <laughs> Um, this project is doing something. That's the industry in general. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, this project was doing something really cool and it, it it just, uh, spoke to me. So I put it down there, I wanted to do it and, uh, was selected for it. So, yeah. So I'm sure there were a lot of different capstone projects that you guys could have selected from, but what made you guys decide on this, on this specific project? I I was really into it because the idea of like blockchain for social good type of angle, like Justin said, there's so many projects in this space. The space is exploding so fast that there's a ton of stuff coming into it. Also, like a lot of kind of scam projects, like I'm sure FTX, we can talk about that later. But just like blockchain as a whole doesn't really have like a very uh, good social image, but it can be used for so many like great, great social applications that benefit like everybody around the world that I just thought it'd be really nice to support uh, and be part of like a project that tackles it from like a social good aspect and put some like good blockchain news in the headlines rather than all like the doom and gloom that you see that like scares people like my parents away from like blockchain and crypto just as a word. So you're saying you're not, you're not doing anything in the dark market. No, 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 <laughs> of course not. Um, of course unless, not. unless it's a dark roast from El Salvador. So <laughs> exactly. We love those. <laughs> Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else have any other reasons for for selecting this as their as their capstone project? I really like the idea of well making that social good impact, but also immersing myself in something that I rarely ever have touched before, and which is like an emerging technology. And it sounded so exciting to get my hands on it onto it that and develop something cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'm interested, Professor Korth, what, what got you in the blockchain and, and 
I guess we never actually had that conversation. I mean, how? No, and how did you get it into Lehigh? That's that's really what I was. Yeah, I mean, this a long time. I mean, getting this this project in goes back to um, a couple of students who graduated in 2018 and founded the Dolomite Exchange, and you know, we advised them, and that was our connection there, and that wasn't far off from when this all started. So, really started. A couple of students came in and said, you know, we should have a blockchain course at Lehigh. Now, do you? Know of anybody who might do it? No, I don't. I'll ask around. I mean, and I mean, some of you know I had enough other things on my plate besides um, running the computer science and business program that you know many of you are in, which is a Lehigh unique four-year, duly accredited CS and business. So nothing watered down. All that stuff kept me busy. Anyway, so like, no, nah, I don't have time to do this. But I'll ask around. Well, I came up empty. So what the heck, I'll do it. So, um, I mean, obviously I had, you know, read about the technology, you know, but hadn't really gotten into anything. So as a first course, I put together the more business-oriented course that some of you have taken, where sort of enough tech to be honest, a focus on, you know, policy applications and, you know, things like that. And of course, being um, a newbie to teaching this, I looked to bring in some people to give talks. So we had a, a guy in Allentown who had the first um, subway to accept Bitcoin. Phenomenal story. He was on CNBC, total blast. I mean, not a lot of tech there, but it was fun. So he was in for a class. Um, I had um, another alumnus, Kevin Wirth, who is CEO of Coindesk. So that was um, you know, remarkable celebrity um, you know, action for a new course. And um, so, uh, you know, I mean, the students knew that we were all learning together. We had a great time. So then, okay, you know, got the fall coming up. How about I give an unapologetically computer science course? No applications, no policy, just, you know, crypto math, consensus algorithms, smart contract coding, and that's the focus. And so I put that one together. Now, and the enrollments kept booming. Um, I thought they were kind of tracking the price of crypto, but if I look at my enrollments for the spring, uh, maybe a slight <laughs> downturn, but I mean, almost a blessing because you know, they're getting so big. Um, I mean, we have like you know, 120, 130 students who are touched by blockchain now per year at Lehigh, which for wow. our size wow. is just you know, stunning. And um, so that's wow, how it got is. started. And then, you know, from a research point of view, I'm a database researcher. I've done that, you know, since the Jurassic period. And um, there I could look at blockchain as a kind of database. Whole bunch of synergies there. I mean, you know, you read Vitalik talking about sharding. Well, we worked on that in a database context back in the 80s. And I can kind of laugh at some of the things that they're worrying about now. Yeah, I know that stuff, you know. So um, that's how we got some of the research projects going that I mentioned in the beginning. And um, so we've had you know, students come through undergrad, stay for master's, go on to interesting places. We have a student in a digital currency startup, a student at Aztec, which is a um, you know, very important but small company in the zero knowledge business. Um, and other graduates, Coinbase, um, Fireblocks, um, I think I've hit the um, the main ones more core in the space, and then others who've got on into you know various random 
companies, but are representing crypto there, like in the big four accounting firms and you know, other, um, you know, you know, Google, um, you know, etc. So um, it just kind of built up, and now we have a vast number of friends, relationships, funding sources, and uh, just a, a major big thing going here, and lots of faculty, both in computer science and in business, interested in all of this. It's really awesome, and you guys hit it at in a great timing in 2018 in order to do that and have that growth. It's yeah. really awesome. And, you know, great supporters. I mean, yeah, you know, my primary appointment is in our engineering college. The business dean is a big fan of this. Um, we even have one of our courses now in the master's in financial engineering at her insistence. So I'm teaching that too. And you want to keep it so light. So you're tell you're spreading throughout the university now. Um, I never <laughs> took a finance course in my life. I'm a CS guy. I was an undergrad math major. I never took an engineering course. So I'm teaching a graduate course in financial engineering. Go figure. <laughs> wow. I guess you just have to know a little bit more than they do, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how did the uh, how did the problem in El Salvador with the coffee supply chain um, initially get proposed to you, Hank? That was all Eric. So um, I had a chat with Eric about the idea that we could do some capstone projects in the, um, you know, generally in the crypto space, probably the Bitcoin space, given, you know, the business. And um, I think it was the first thing you proposed, Eric, was this, if I'm not mistaken. And this just seemed, I think, this so. is I, think I just came Let's back from El Salvador it. and went. Yeah, when I when I got when I was in El Salvador and they proposed, I was like, oh, I know the perfect people that are gonna like because we had talked before I went there. So when I came back, I was like, yeah, I think this is the one. And yeah, that was the first one I told you about. And yeah, it seemed like a perfect fit. Yeah, now as I'm re remembering, we kind of chatted about it. We, oh, I'm gonna go there and we'll check it out and I'll let you know. And uh, I was kind of hoping. Okay, could have been. Yeah. <laughs> and then I look at what you guys have done, and um, I mean, we may say more about that going on in this, but you know, really proud of what you've all accomplished. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking, looking forward to actually rolling it out and letting and seeing people using it and getting feedback from it as well. It's exciting. So what about the specific problem in El Salvador with the coffee supply chain inspired you guys most in order to, to get started on the project? I feel like that is just <clears throat> like, it felt like a natural like blockchain application. Like, um, in in supply chain we just needed some things to be uh like more transparent and uh not necessarily provable but on the blockchain things are immutable so uh, if these workers are getting uh if these workers are checking in and it gets put on the blockchain uh it's uh indisputable that they checked in if they get paid it's put on the blockchain if they're paid through the blockchain then it's also indisputable that they got paid uh, it just seemed like a nice uh combination or a nice use of blockchain did it come naturally to everybody in this group as far as what you guys wanted to do um as far as resolving the problem or were there were there any conflicts or different ideas of about how to solve this uh i think like one of our first like big discussions was <clears throat> kind of like separation of powers of like how much how much data did we need to put on chain versus how much data, uh, how much data we want to put on chain versus like 
at what point does it get too expensive and too much data to put on chain? Like at what point does this smart contract become too risky? Uh, what data do we not have to have be immutable? Um, and what can we like rely on using like a secondary store storage for? So like our first implementation of our smart contract that we were working on was this kind of like monolithic smart contract that uh, dealt with like, uh, like these large like data objects for each like type of person that would be touching a coffee farm, uh, a lot of inheritance. If you know smart contracts, you know inheritance is a great, great point for uh, vulnerabilities uh, and just lots of contracts itself. <clears throat> and we worked on that for a little bit but then kind of had to take a step back and say, all right, this is getting really big. It's going to be expensive to run this. It's going to be expensive to test this. Like, do we actually need all of this stuff on chain? And then we kind of worked on a V2 smart contract where uh, we just treat the individuals uh, who are interacting with these farms just purely as addresses. And we're just leveraging the immutability of blockchain by emitting events onto the chain. So there's like a log history of workers checking in and getting paid. And just, we went with like as simple as possible for a smart contract. But I'd say that was our biggest, uh, I guess, not necessarily pivot. We've had, we've had other big pivots that we can speak to later. But, but it was yeah, some... I mean, you could talk about the first pivot. First, <clears throat> yeah, first we started yeah. in Bitcoin and trying to do this on Bitcoin. Oh, so that's, that's sort of an interesting... Yeah. Yeah. Just to backtrack... You want to talk about uh, that? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, sure. Mm-hmm. All right, I was going to backtrack just a little bit. Talk about bit some of the about, challenges. Yeah, the challenges. Um, aside from just the technical aspects of it, um, as Joss was talking about, I think going into this project, we had some assumptions that were just not true. Um you know, we, we all live in America. There's a certain standard of living, of work that we're used to that we didn't maybe realize was not the case in El Salvador. So, for example, we, we were assuming that, you know, we could trust someone to keep track of all the workers that are there that day. You know, you go to, you work a job here, there's a manager that is keeping track of all the employees. But in this scenario, perhaps that's a third party that can't be trusted that maybe they're a lead contributor to the whole issue that we're trying to solve. So there's just like little things like that, that we aren't used to thinking about that when we first started kind of designing the solution for this uh, project, those were the things that we kind of had to adjust our minds to and look at things through different perspectives. I think that was, it's kind of an interesting, it was an interesting, I don't know, error of the project um, that we don't really yeah, think true. about that much we anymore. Saw, we were identifying, we were identifying those trusted parties that we, that we wanted to remove from the process that were really the problem in the process. And so it's interesting. I mean, that's really what blockchain does well is removes trusted third parties. And so uh, it's a new way of thinking. Exactly. Something I wasn't. How did you? How did you come to that conclusion? As far as as far as knowing this, I mean, I'm I'm assuming nobody physically went there, observed any of the operations. So you guys were having to make some some very broad assumptions as you guys went through and decided how you're going to develop the technology in order to do this. 
We have a partner there in El Salvador that runs a lot of the farms there. So he was a big help in explaining the processes and how it works and how it should work, how it's actually working, where the pain points are along the way, what we can have a big impact on. So you know, we relied on them a lot. Okay. So, gentlemen, do you guys want to talk to me a little bit about what specific issues were you guys targeting to actually resolve? Sure, I can I can start with this. Um, so I think the main issue, the bottom line, is that we want to make sure that the workers are getting paid. Um, I think that was kind of the main, main big picture problem that we're solving, that for various reasons, corruption, bribery, whatever it may be, there are workers in El Salvador who are working hard on these coffee farms and not getting paid. And so the biggest thing that we set out to prove is if there's a worker here, we want it to be completely undeniable that they were paid for their work. Um, if anyone wants to expand off that, I mean, that was just, I think, the main I guess, I guess we should talk about why that's important. Um, so fair trade uh, means that the workers are getting paid properly all the way through the, the chain and, and you're not paying for slave labor. And when you have people cheat in the process, the entire country gets blamed for that. And, and so the, the coffee um, industry in El Salvador is practically dead. I saw the coffee trees are you know, rotting, There's fruits on the ground, it's rotting. I'm like, what's going on? The fields are empty, why? You know, because they, they, they can't sell their, their, their coffee. So I thought, well, this is great. The president of the country adopted Bitcoin, gave us an opportunity to make changes in its country. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know, Bitcoin related. It can be something just solving a problem in the country using blockchain. And I thought, well, this is perfect. We have a university in Pennsylvania that can participate and help a country solve one of its industry problems. Uh, this, is, this is gold. I mean, it seemed like such an obvious fit. Um, and certainly in hindsight, it does. But you know, at the time, it was, it, it was good for everyone. I mean, Except maybe the trusted third parties that are going to be out of work. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the money that they were getting and not paying to others. Well, we're not getting it anymore anyway, because yeah. that, that's over, right? They, they, they milked it as long as they could, and now the industry is dead. And so there's really a smaller industry that's, um, yeah. So it sounds like the big impact um, socially for this is that, is that, one, you guys are restoring work, um, you know, to, to locals of El Salvador. Um, you're ensuring that they're getting, you know, paid. And that you're also ensuring that consumers can be confident of, of the fair trade. Yeah, there's yeah, actually exactly. another angle in between, which is the fact that, as Eric alluded to, that the, uh, you know, the plantations were going to rot. And so it's not only that the workers are getting paid, but all the legitimate workers in the supply chain now have a business that they didn't have before. So there's a broader national good here as well. Absolutely. Right. Whole Foods and, and Amazon can buy coffee from them and know, hey, this is provable that, that this is this is fair. And I guess big picture is showing a success in El Salvador, first country to adopt Bitcoin um, and crypto to make them successful, to take an industry that would have never nobody would have even paid attention to it. Nobody would have cared to not only pay attention to it, but to produce a, pro, um, a product that solves their problem on blockchain. And it's undeniable, right? Forget about the GDP and all these other things that they're looking at as, as cryptocurrency, but we actually solved a real world, world problem on the ground. So that's exciting. And certainly we'll let the, 
president uh, hold it up as a success story when when he's able to use this new technology that he's been touting and so that's exciting so what do you guys think is going to be the biggest impact of of this project long term for for the coffee trade Well, the students are thinking, um, I mean, it's obviously in itself just a, a wonderful project. We've talked about all the good here, but it's an example of what can be done. And if you right. look, I mean, globally, but at least, you know, look in Central America, South America, others can see there, you know, a nation like ours was able to do this. And, you know, so the good can spread. Absolutely. I agree. Especially to demonstrate that young minds um, entry level into into blockchain technologies have have the ability to solve real world problems that have great social impact and that it was so easy that it was able to be done from Pennsylvania of all places to impact somewhere very far away very abroad so I would agree with you but the environment is there that's the thing there aren't other countries in the world we could do this right I've been mm -hmm. to other places and tried to do things you, you, we they're not a welcoming environment. Here's somebody saying, please come to my country and help us. And, and so I felt like we had a responsibility to go there and figure out ways to help them. And so those are, there's, there's other problems that we can solve with this. And it's not just coffee. Um, and there's, there's other things. And it opens people's eyes up to this is more than just money. And especially in El Salvador, you know, they, it goes back and forth, and especially with the price going down. I haven't been there in a bit, but I imagine nobody's happy about that. So this, this gives another side to the story. Okay. So and maybe that's the long term effect. <laughs> I think you just did. That is both. So you guys mentioned that you guys started initially looking at um, doing this with the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, what what kind of issues did you guys run into with the project, and and what did you guys ultimately end up you know doing in order to solve those? <laughs> um, I'll start, and then you guys can jump in. So the idea was to use the Bitcoin blockchain, and then we we're going to spin up a side chain uh, off of Bitcoin that uh, did all the calculations and had all the logics and then occasionally syncs back to Bitcoin. And then we also would have, uh, we'd use the Lightning Network for payments. <clears throat> so the first step for that was just basically spinning up a side chain, just like very, very basic, very first step was just get this like bare bones thing to work. And we could barely get that to happen. Liquid. That, yeah. they, were, they were spinning up liquid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're sp yeah, using Elena's spit of liquid. In Docker. As I, as I In Docker. We couldn't get, like, the two Docker containers to even communicate between each other, like, on our local computers. And it was, like, halfway <laughs> through the first semester of this project. And we just kind of said, like, screw it moving to Ethereum. And then, like, in that second half of the semester, we did, like, 10 times as much everything. work yeah like we did like basically everything in that second half of the semester so in like the same time it took us to like mess around with docker for a little bit just because you know ethereum has like the whole development environment surrounding solidity already and in bitcoin like we would also Be run into to issues. Get blasted by the max oh yeah oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they know my name too uh, no but, but then even there, even know, if we got the like containers working then we would have would have to dive into like the bitcoin the scripting the language problem. and then like getting that 
logging that on the chain and figuring something out to something to like crawl the chain for the data on the Bitcoin blockchain, it would have been like problem after problem after problem. So I think like if you guys, if somebody listening to this wants to move it to Bitcoin, like go for it. Like we have the proof of concepts. Well, the RSK guys, so when I was in uh, was it Guadalajara, I was speaking, um, the RSK guys were speaking before me. And of course they heard what I said. I was like, you could do it on Bitcoin. We have RSK. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe. sure. Maybe eventually, oh, I don't know if you guys know it, yeah. could move but it to Bitcoin. In theory, we could have. And, yeah. anyway. There's also like, uh, for what we were trying to do, there's a severe lack of documentation, um, and just our inexperience combined with that lack of doc- documentation just made us pull our hairs out trying to figure this out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and not to mention, like, even yeah. if we did get it spun up, we would have to figure out a way to translate down to a front end that would be, um, would be, would have to be usable by these workers, by these farms, by these foremen. And yeah, that was just, that would be a whole nother problem in itself. So, yeah. So let me ask you guys, what, what tool do you think that somebody developed on Bitcoin would have, would have helped us? Like what, what could, what, what could be out there? Like rootstock is maybe a, a solution, but what else? Like what other tool were we really lacking there? I mean, we didn't even, real- we, we barely got to like the development stage with Bitcoin. Like the, well, the issue gonna, itself, say, it, our issue was just like, yeah, our issue is literally just spinning up a side chain and there's elements for that, but it wasn't super thoroughly documented. Like Justin said, um, so maybe, maybe just that, maybe just making it, uh, having an easier solution just to spin up a side chain in the first place and mess around with it. But, yeah, uh, I would, yeah. I would agree with Joss, I think not even necessarily a specific tool but at least from a complete beginner's perspective approaching developing on bitcoin was just so much scarier than it is with ethereum so i think maybe some a bigger focus on beginners onboarding new people into bitcoin development i feel like it's a space right now that's made for people that already know what they're doing Whereas Ethereum kind of, you know, they, they can hold your hand a little bit until you get your feet under you and a little more confident. I think it's also interesting to think about who the they is when you talk about these things. And um, for, I mean, Ethereum and the ETH Foundation and others spawn a huge ecosystem. You know, Algorand has that, Stellar has it, Polkadot has it, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't have a Satoshi Nakamoto Foundation. Yeah, and so there... The infrastructure itself is more decentralized, which in some ways is really, really good. But for something like this, where you're trying to build something not only with students learning things, but also something that itself will be sustainable. You know, these students will graduate, I hope, (laughs) and um, then, um, you know, others will need to pick it up. And so it needs to be something that is easily transitionable. So there's a sort of high-level software engineering issue here. And... I think the, the Bitcoin ecosystem is really not in the same competitive space there as the ones orchestrated by some of the big blockchain foundations. Yeah, I think that's true. We, we've, we've discussed this with other people on here. Why is that the case? And, and my argument is the money. There was money in creating ICOs and tokens and things. You, you could build whatever you wanted on Ethereum. If you wanted to build something, you could raise money for it and do it on there. Whereas Bitcoin... 
you, you weren't tied to the success of the coin. It, it, it was disconnected. So you actually had to pr build a product that was successful to make money. And most people just wanted to take the easy way. Oh, let's get millions up front. We'll build something cool. And I think that had a lot to do with why Bitcoin is where it is today. And then, yeah, we don't have a foundation. We don't have the same kind of investment. I think now with the excitement of lightning, we see a lot more of these types of tools being built, but it's playing catch up. And Bitcoin was here first. Why are we playing catch up, right? That was supposed to be the smart contract and colored coins. There were all these things, these proposals along the way, and it just doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned like how like easy it I think I think a big point in um a big a big advantage in this industry it bites us in the butt sometimes is just being able to move fast and iterate over things. Like you're talking about how on Ethereum how easy it is to start something up, release a coin, uh, and then make millions of dollars off that coin. That whole ICO craze really did bite a lot of people in the butt and people people are more wary about uh just random tokens popping up nowadays. But Ethereum went through that and was stronger for it because they could just move faster through it. Well, at least you guys didn't do a whole bunch of work only to come to this conclusion a lot further down the road and you guys were able to to make yeah. your pivot and and make a decision and and start really getting some work done. You guys must have been freaked out when when you were started using Bitcoin. Well, I know you guys were when you were started using Bitcoin. Like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? What is he crazy? We're like, this is this is crazy. The amount of uh, terms yeah. that we had to look up and just define in a document because we were all figuring out everything, and everything was new. But except, uh, like, when we're developing on Ethereum, there's a lot of things that look familiar, and there's even JavaScript a little bit in there, and so everything is looks a little bit more familiar, at least with ethereum compared to bitcoin <laughs> no it's true friendly faces but hey at least you can say when people you know when they come up to you hey we did try to do it in bitcoin it just wasn't a viable option for us really yeah tell me why well we can tell you why like this is this is we went through the process we walked through it and uh, hopefully in a couple of years that changes and we can build on bitcoin but maybe not maybe it'll never be that Maybe it'll never be that. I, I think we should put just make sure to put a little asterisk next to we couldn't as as undergraduates uh, and our first time developing. Right, all, yeah, exactly. Using, you know they what I mean? Like it's definitely like this. possible before anybody like sharpens any spears <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because those guys are telling there's you could have used this. And I was like, Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody gonna be listening to this being like, These guys are idiots. I can do this in my sleep. <laughs> but you know, like uh, as a very as a first yeah, introduction for there's us. Nothing it, that good. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are learning. You have a limited amount of time in order to to complete a project that that solves a real world problem, um, and and then something that you guys are able to go and, and tout. Um, spinning your wheels in a planning stage is, is going to be just as unproductive as just sitting there well, trying to develop on it. Yeah, you got to when you're prototyping, you got to build it quick and fail fast and make and, and prove these things out. And you don't want to spend all your time figuring out how to get a Docker container to to communicate with the other one, and, and you know just all those these infrastructure issues. Like, no, there should be an environment. There should be a stack that we can develop on, and it's consistent and it's documented. And we don't have it. That I know. Well, I know we say this a lot, but we need more developer tools uh, specific to Bitcoin and, and that, that kind of stuff will, will obviously help 
in uh, in the future technology development in order to use those things. So as that gets uh, more prolific, I think we'll see a little bit more. And it might be you guys. This may be inspiring you guys in order to uh, to be the those people who do that. So I'm kind of curious because I don't I don't want to feel like we're completely bashing Bitcoin, which we're not. Um, but how has this project and the experience impacted you and and specifically like just Bitcoin, your journey with Bitcoin? Uh, I can go first. Uh, I don't, again, I don't want to bash it. And I was a rookie coming into this, so I might not have like enough background to really speak to this intelligently, but I feel like I, yeah, I feel like actually, yeah, it's better your perspective, mm -hmm. frankly. Go ahead. I, uh, I feel like I kind of lost respect for Bitcoin in a way, whereas I felt like, you know, Bitcoin's obviously the biggest cryptocurrency in the world. That's what grabs all the headlines. But to me, after, especially after we swapped to Ethereum and our productivity just went like a thousand fold, I was like, you know, Ethereum accomplishes everything Bitcoin accomplishes and so much more. I just feel like Ethereum is so much more empowering. And yeah, I, I know it sounds, it sounds kind of bad, but like I became a big you Ethereum fan. You got to take that sound boy. clip and put that up on Twitter. We're, we're going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> my first, my first comment is going to ask you what your gas fees are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> and if you still feel if it's the same. <laughs> I'll take all the heat, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think Bitcoin could be that could be as great as all the maxis want it to be. I just don't think it's there right now. And I think, I think one of the large points of why it's not there right now is like what you were saying earlier, Jeremy, about the uh, developer tools. Like <clears throat> as soon as this kind of box of like web three opened up, people were like, oh my God, like everything in Web 2 can be replaced with Web 3. Let's go bit, rebuild everything in Web 2 as Web 3. And kind of that was like the main focus, whereas the focus should have been on the developer tools. Like it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, uh, like that's like it's, like, it's like a gold rush right now to rebuild everything in Web 3. But like who are the people who profited off the gold rush? The people who are selling the tools. That's right. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. It's it's one of those shiny object moments, and and everybody started to to chase after it, and really lost focus on you know on some of the some of the basics inside you know Bitcoin development. And I think it, the whole experience says something about how governance works in this space. You know, and we've seen the controversies over Ethereum, the merge, and you know Ethereum is decentralized, except there's Vitalik. Vitalik Buterin and Al, and so at least a bully pulpit to say it nicely. Um, and this plays into the whole tool thing. You know, tools don't give you immediate rewards. You make money, but later on, and there's these immediate opportunities. And so it takes some organization or a group with a long-term view, willing to sacrifice now for more reward in the future. And a purely decentralized ecosystem is perhaps not as good at that kind of thing. While the um, non-Bitcoin blockchains that have, you know, a kind of, I, I, don't, I better not say centralization or I'll get beaten up, but have 
um, some degree of a point of focus for leadership. Is that a good euphemism for centralization? Um, and um, you know, they have been able to um, construct a developer ecosystem, tools, documentation, ways of getting help with things that um, you know, makes, makes everything that much more attractive. Now, it could happen for Bitcoin. Somebody with enough resources has to make the long-term investment. And um, I'm, I'm not sure where that's going to come from, but um, you, know, you all may have some insight there. It's the community. <clears throat> so, and that's one thing well, that there, I've... there are some companies and, and funds that are are sponsoring this now, many years oh, later. Yeah. Like it, it's such a, yeah. And so, yeah, they may play catch up, but I think developers are creatures of habit as well. And so they've been developing in solidity. It's easy. And so whatever they're going to build is going to have to be at least as easy as that. And that's going to be a challenge because solidity is basically JavaScript with contracts, right? And you just have to understand how to interface with it that's going to be a challenge. And so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. But Yeah. I think the community plays a big, a big part in this. And so as, as I've seen in different parts of, of the crypto community, we do some things better than others. Um, and, and I think that, you know, professor, you, you kind of nailed that too, where on Ethereum side, they do, they, they've kind of catered to that as a community, um, especially towards, you know, getting the information out, having more handbooks and guides. They do make it a little bit more friendly, um, easier to initially digest and, and really get started. Um, but as the communities, you know, hear some of these, these thoughts, these perspectives, um, especially from people who have gone out and tried to solve real world problems, I think that's where the mother of invention comes in. That's where true development tools, um, you know, are born. And right now we're, we're in that time. We're, we're in a bear market um, where we know that a lot of people are going to be focusing on, on innovation and building those things. And so if it doesn't exist today, it'll probably exist for tomorrow. Optimism. <laughs> Anybody else want to share um, if this uh, capstone project has, has kind of, you know, changed or impacted uh, your Bitcoin journey? Okay. Go ahead, Kenneth. You know you want to. <laughs> he looks just, like he has something to say. But I just got to say, just on the development side, it is. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get to the development side on the Bitcoin on Bitcoin, which I think speaks a lot to how much progress was made and how difficult for us it was to even set up an environment where we could start creating something. But then once once we got to Ethereum, we were able to upload our first uh, smart contract within that same half semester time period that we had for even just setting up the whole environment for Bitcoin. So I think that speaks to how how much better the development side is for Ethereum and definitely gain a respect for Ethereum over Bitcoin because of that. Also gave me some respect for the people actually building these tools and projects in Bitcoin because you just see how much more technical they can get. It is harder. <laughs> How about you, Justin? Yeah, I mean, uh, someone, I guess, more on the outside than the 
um, other people here. Uh, I always saw like Bitcoin as the cleaner token, I guess, uh, <laughs> compared to like Ethereum, because Ethereum's got a lot on it. Um, like there's a lot. I, I saw that there's like a lot you can do, but I always thought that Bitcoin would be easy, a lot more easy for cryptocurrency. I never tried to develop it in it before. Never tried to develop it either. Um, but yeah, I think I muscle respect for uh, Bitcoin over Ethereum as a developer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So where does your project stand today? Where are you guys at today with, with your project? I mean, it's standing. Uh, it's standing on its, not completely on its own at this point, but we have like a, I'm like really proud of all the work we were able to put in over just like two semesters, really only one and a half semesters of working uh, with Solidity. But like we got through the project where it's like at a point, like like almost basically done. I mean, there's a few things that need to be polished. Um, you could go in and improve some things, but like we have our year end presentation in uh, less than a week. And like, we'll be able to show like a fully functional uh, demo app where we demonstrate a worker getting checked in at a farm and then getting paid. And then somebody who represents a consumer, like checking and seeing that the worker got paid. So from that sense, like top to bottom, that's done. Um, going forward, what we could work on is expanding it to other sections of the supply chain. So for this project, we focused on the farms and workers at the farms getting paid and tracking the coffee in the farms, but working to track the coffee uh, across the whole supply chain would be a great next step too. like tracking it from the farm to the roaster, to the distributor and making sure it uh, checks all those boxes at all of those stops too. Awesome. So you guys truly have your MVP. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're ready to test it. Um, so I, I, that is the intention is to start testing it and have some of the workers using it and getting feedback from them, improving on, on that. Um, when I was giving a talk in, I think Guadalajara, uh, there was another group in Colombia doing something similar. So they're also very interested in, in what we have because they haven't started yet. So, um, you know, it applies to more than just coffee. You know, we, we did coffee, but this could apply to any, all these industries have the same sorts of problems and all these countries have these same sorts of problems. So this can be exported and, and given to others. Yeah. When we, um, <clears throat> when we were talking to Roberto, our, uh, uh, coffee farm contact down in El Salvador, he loved the idea, but he also said like, Hey, I can use this at like my coffee shops and use it like with my like waiters and waitresses and like the bartenders there even like it doesn't just have to be coffee supply chain it could be anything really yeah maybe it'll end up being a payroll system <laughs> yeah these students are completing the project very soon now but um the project itself isn't done and um you know eric and i are starting to talk about next year's um project another team of students starting in january and you can see a whole bunch of directions things can go i think the the hard thing we're going to have is figuring out of all these many choices you know which opportunities do we focus on you know with the students and how do we maybe interest others to pick up some other things too i think that's the that's the fun part and that's the part where yeah. you really get the learning experience like you guys have um you know choosing the the proper you know tech stack in, in order to start developing with uh in order to solve the problem and then 
being able to highlight, you know, um, secondary and tertiary problems that future teams can come back in and, and obviously expand and build upon. So real blockchain stuff. Awesome. Well, guys, what's what's next for you guys as you guys complete your capstone projects? What do you guys plan to do or what are your dreams? What are you wanting to do next? I'm personally a big believer in the decentralized ethos. I'm fully hooked on this whole blockchain thing. So I, I, I want to go somewhere working, uh, working to develop some more smart contracts for social good uh, type of aspect, wherever I can do that. Kenny, yeah. how about you? Um, I'll be joining the corporate world. So I'll be joining uh, Visa as a software engineer not really working with too much blockchain stuff anymore, more like cloud-based applications and all that. But I hope to keep learning more and maybe even um, uh, pay special attention towards the blockchain efforts that are being made currently at Visa and see what I can do there. Plant a little virus in Visa, right? <laughs> Orange pill everybody in the room. Come on, do it. <laughs> not, not a virus like that. I mean, like, you know, orange pilling everybody. Like, they, they shouldn't have let you in the door. <laughs> um, I'll be following his offer. Oh, yeah. I'll be following suit with Kenny. I'll be going corporate as well. Um, I'm headed to Ernst & Young. And they actually, they do have uh, some blockchain blockchain efforts going on there, as Professor Korth mentioned a little earlier. So definitely going to try to break into that space while I'm there. But it's always been a dream of mine to build and create something. And I think this space is, I can't think of a better opportunity to build and create than this space right now. And so I, I'm definitely looking to keep self-educating myself and eventually put my self in a position where I can create something in the space that I'm proud of and that can have some impact and social good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of a variable. I'm not really sure where I'm going to go next. Uh, I am interested in artificial intelligence and deep learning. So I do want to do something in that path. If there's a way that I can incorporate it with blockchain and my experience with uh, this project, I think that would be really awesome. But um, yeah, as of right now, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where I'll be. <laughs> Free agent. So if anybody's listening and uh, they want to offer Justin a, an awesome career, I think he's he's ready. <laughs> D- download GitHub Copilot. Will blow your mind. Oh my God! I was in. Has anybody uh, used I, it? No, I haven't. But <clears throat> for um, my office hours, I grade for a class. Uh, Professor Corth probably won't want to hear this, but in my office hours, this kid came in and I watched Copilot do like, like a whole like forty percent of his assignment. Like it blew my mind. Like a lot of it was wrong, I... but like the structure of it was right. And I was, and he was sitting there like, yeah. he just like kept hitting enter for Copilot. He didn't really know what was going on, but like <laughs> tab, it was already tab, yeah tab, tab 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 tab. That blew my mind. It also scared me a little bit, but yeah, that that stuff was yeah. powerful. 
scary that it knows what to suggest before you even know that you're wanting that next it was writing my code that i had just written before like last week it had it was putting my it knew what i I literally wrote no code and it yeah anyway so you want to ai and code look at that start with that there's a couple of other projects out there like that but by far that was that was the one that just blew me away yeah i'll take a look at it um looked it up it looks pretty cool Okay. Josh, anything for you? Uh, yeah, just, just uh, want to do some smart contract development, wherever I can do that. Yeah, he's got lots of experience besides this project. He um, was doing smart contract dev in an Algorand project we arranged last spring uh, doing for their new smart contract ecosystem, some sample contracts, like beautifully documented. Nice piece of work there, and um, he was the uh, architect of the um, the new Solidity project in my course this semester. That um, the um, other students here were um, the beneficiaries or victims of, depending on how they want to characterize <laughs> themselves. But uh, yet, so Josh has a, a ton of experience there, so he will be um, very much sought after. Meanwhile, of course, I'm not graduating. You know, I just. <laughs> but um but uh, i should mention with um you know ey came up earlier and um, a few weeks ago i talked to paul brody who's their um head of blockchain and they are very deeply into this in a whole bunch of ways so um there will be possibilities there if not on day one shortly thereafter well professor Korth, i just want to say uh i applaud you for for your efforts in being you know, the one to go out there and advocate for the education of, of blockchain technologies at Lehigh. It's it's amazing what you're doing. Um, you're you're doing remarkable things with young minds and and molding them and and building a, a better future, not just in technologies, but touching actual people with real world problems and solving those. So congratulations to you and congratulations to all of you guys for this capstone project. Yeah, thank you for all those kind words. Much, much appreciate. I'll just say I'm having a great time too. So um, it's uh, it's been great fun, and um, I put in the chat so it's on the written record. But you want to see more about what we're doing? Blockchain.cse.lehigh.edu. Okay. Anybody else want to put in a plug for for how anyone, if they want to follow you, see what you're doing in the future? If if you'd like to, you can put one in right now. Oh. blast you for busting on there. yeah yeah you can uh <laughs> can blast don't give me. out don't don't give out your email address <laughs> there you go yeah um should i give out then my linkedin i guess my website yeah linkedin twitter yeah, send it to, you can send us so after the fact and uh ej or adeep can like put it under you so if you want somebody to follow you under twitter they can just send your twitter handle and put that on there we'll add it to our show notes for you okay cool I'll just add it there. Just you should do that. Just well, got all my links. You, you might get blasted. Oh, that's bit. fine. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I really appreciate all the time you guys have spent with us this evening. Um, I'm I'm even more impressed and thankful for for what you guys have done. Uh, I think that there's there's a lot of people in El Salvador uh, involved with the coffee project themselves as an actual career and how this is going to, uh, to impact their lives. 
So thank you guys on, on behalf of those individuals too. So.